My friends, I was reading the news the other day, and there was an article that came across uh, the line on the internet that said that two-thirds of Americans are seeing this whole situation as an invitation to change. So two-thirds of Americans are seeing this entire situation that we're going through right now as a country, as a world, as an invitation to change. One of the greatest saints in our Catholic tradition is St. Ignatius of Loyola. And among his greatest contributions to the church, some of you know the community of the Jesuits. He was the founder of the Jesuits. He is renowned for his teaching on prayer, specifically his spiritual exercises, which are given to us in a retreat form and which allow us to enter more deeply into the life of Christ through extended times of prayer. He's known for his unique teaching on using the imagination as we pray through the scriptures, inviting us to enter more deeply into the word of God and placing ourselves in the situation and using our imagination to see what the Holy Spirit will inspire. But he's also known for his rules of discernment, his 14 rules of discernment, which provide a practical tool and are principles for us as we navigate the spiritual life, as we seek to move into greater holiness and union with Christ. He draws out these 14 different principles and offers them as a guide for us as we move along the way. Today, I just want to look at the last rule that he provides for us. The last rule, the 14th rule of his rules of discernment. Now, just to give you a little context, Ignatius was born in the year 1491, a year before Columbus sailed the ocean and came to the New World. So you can understand that Ignatius in his time would have been around castles and soldiers, and he was a soldier himself, and he was a soldier who had been in battle, sorely wounded in battle. So his imagery kind of takes itself from those places and those themes. His 14th rule, he invites us to imagine that the human heart, the human soul, is like a castle. He says, imagine that the enemy, the evil one, is a robber who's trying to get in and plunder that castle. He's trying to take it captive. So what the evil one does is he encamps himself outside of your heart outside of your soul. And he surveys around your soul, around your heart, and he's looking for weak points. He's looking for places where he can enter in. Places where your defenses aren't built up. Places where he can expose you and take you. We know that Christ made us for freedom. Christ didn't make us to be captives. He created us for freedom. And that's really as far as that image goes. He says, just imagine that the evil one is encircling your heart, encircling your soul, looking for a weak place to devour, and that's where he's going to go in. Because that's what the evil one is doing with our hearts. But I just want to take that image a little bit further with you this morning. Suggesting that the evil one in addition to looking for areas of weakness, 
But he also does as he suggests lies into our heart concerning those places of weakness. And that's perhaps the place where he ends up being most victorious over us. What does he say to us? He says if he convinces us somehow that if people knew about this place of weakness in my heart, then people wouldn't love me anymore. So it's something that I have to conceal. It's something that I have to hide. I think for us self-sufficient Americans, the next thought is perhaps one that is even more dangerous. It actually is two sides of a different coin. It's, number one, just give up and just give in to despair. Don't even bother trying anymore. Just give up and despair. But the second thing, and this is perhaps where we often find ourselves, is the enemy also suggests to us this little thought in our heart that says, you just have to try harder. You just have to try harder. Pick yourselves up by your bootstraps. My friends, Jesus Christ, the lover of your heart and the lover of your soul, does not whisper into your ear, you just have to try harder. God doesn't speak you to the God doesn't speak you to you in those words. What God does speak to you is he says, bring this to me. I love you. Let me take this from you. Let me hold this for you. Let me love you. Let me care for you here. Let me save you. In doing so, we're allowing the grace of God and the grace of the Holy Spirit to move deeply into our hearts in a place of vulnerability, in a place of need. St. Paul, in that second reading today, he said what? He said, always be ready to give an explanation for the hope that lies within you. Our hope as Christians, as people of faith, as people of prayer, does not lie in human ingenuity. It doesn't lie in our own accomplishments and our own talents and our own gifts. Our hope lies in the fact that we've been loved by God. And that God the Father has sent his Son into the world to free us from sin, to free us from slavery, to free us from captivity, and bring us into the glorious freedom of the children of God. He has destroyed death once and for all. Those people in that first reading in the Acts of the Apostles were witness to that. That the apostles were curing people. That they were healing the sick. And it was the presence of God in the world amidst them that was doing it. As we go forward this week, let us just pray for the grace to entrust to the Lord those places of weakness those places in our hearts where perhaps the evil one is suggesting to us different lies. And instead of believing the lies, let's turn to Jesus in faith and prayer, knowing his deep love for us, knowing that he's come to save us.
Let us pray for that grace today.